Hello and welcome to The Point of Everything. My name is Ono Sullivan and today's guest on the show is one Graham Tugwell, the prolific Graham Tugwell. He's a writer, he's uh, living in Dublin and he's kind of the the uh, main creator of a new horror podcast called Down Below the Reservoir. Wait, wait, wait. Owen, are you actually doing a podcast interview with someone else who has a podcast? Yep. Yes, I am. Down Below the Reservoir is a horror podcast. The The first two episodes are up on downbelowthereservoir.com and new episodes are out fortnightly. Uh, Graham has been writing for, well, writing short stories anyway since about 2010, 2011. And he's got about 150, he says. And yeah, they've decided to make a podcast out of it. As as he says on the uh, on the podcast coming up, um, you know, it's kind of in vogue at the moment. Horror and podcasts obviously are quite in vogue. Not yours. Oh, oh come on. That wasn't very nice. <sighs> why, why do I do this to myself? <laughs> um, so, yeah, new episodes are up of Down Below the Reservoir on iTunes and I think Stitcher and stuff like that. You can get it on downbelowthereservoir.com. And they also have a Patreon page as well, which is just patreon.com forward slash down below the reservoir so you can um help support their podcast help support their podcast yeah because it's all done in a studio it's all like super professional and you know it's a cast of characters it's for really good writers i don't think that i actually say in the podcast you know i don't think i explain enough who they are so it's graham is the main guy and uh so that's who we're talking to later and the voices and the podcast are a team with their team of, of four really good writers so graham and then there's sarah griffin who's just released a book called spare and found parts which is really really great it's kind of her first kind of ya novel and then there's two other like great uh ya writers there as well deirdre sullivan who's written the fantastic needlework it's like one of the best books of the year let alone um a YA book and then Dave Rudden is the other uh the fourth member of the uh Risky Proximity Players he's written uh Knights of the Barrow Dark um which I haven't actually read so but uh yeah Dave and uh Deirdre are both up for the Irish Book Awards um YA book of the year senior category so you know pretty a pretty good tag team so the podcast is really really good loads of great voices loads of great stories the first episode is the first episode is certainly worth a listen uh just to dip your toes in um and mind your fingers on the uh on the shelving you'll you'll get that if you've already listened to it so down below the reservoir.com or search for down below the reservoir on itunes and surprise surprise you can also uh search for the point of everything on itunes as well and soundcloud and stuff like that i don't think it's on stitcher because i don't really know what stitcher is so this is graham tugwell talking about down below the reservoir so yeah um it's been about 40 hours or so since the first episode of uh, Down Below the Reservoir has been released into the world. Are you pleased with the response so far? I'm, I'm, I'm very surprised by the response. There's, there's been a, a great bit of uh, buzz built up uh, about it. I'm, I'm very happy. A lot of people have um, tweeted and posted saying they really enjoyed the first episode. They're, they're looking at milk and drawers in a different way now. Uh, things like that. 
um, you know, you, you sort of make these things and part of you expects them to die a quiet death online, uh, you know, unloved and everything. But I am very, very pleased with how things are going. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a nice bit of buzz building up about it and people are responding really well. So, yeah, <laughs> it's going well, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, j- just before we kind of talk about, about the podcast sure. and um, just about yourself as a writer, I wanted to ask about uh, the launch that you had for it last week mm-hmm. in the podcast. You did it six, we- six uh, days before the uh, yes. show actually went out. So I'm just curious, like, what happened at the launch? <laughs> everything <laughs> um uh basically that was a a scheduling thing it was just difficult to get because there's four of us in the podcast doing the stories and reading stuff out it was difficult to get ev- all four people into the room at the same time as well as ricochet who was uh, launching it so it was just a scheduling thing uh basically what what we did on this on, on the day was we did a live reading of episode one uh, we also read out a story that isn't going to be in the first season. It's actually going to be in season two. Uh, we, we, we have everything planned for three seasons. Um, uh, so we, we, we did that. And then we uh, we played our Patreon video and just had nice chats. It was it was a nice, a nice launch. Um, we have a bit of a background, uh, me and the three other guys, of... Uh, doing these sort of live readings of shows and, you know, actually making theatrical productions of the stories. So it was sort of a acknowledgement of those roots and also a look forward to, you know, what, what we'll be doing going forward as well. So, yeah, you, um, you kind of wrote about it, didn't you? In, uh, on that piece that you had on writing.ie earlier in the week, sure. uh, you yeah. talked, um, so you record the show with Sarah Griffin, Dave Rudden and Deirdre Sullivan, who That's are right. yeah. all, all pretty acclaimed, uh, young author, uh, YA, uh, That's right. yeah. uh authors yeah. at the moment. And you were called the risky proximity players, was it? That's right. Yes. T- yeah. Tell me a little bit about that. <laughs> I can't let that pass under the radar. Sure. Um, yeah, uh, we, there's been a few iterations of the risky proximities. Um, we originally started. Um, we were a writing group in Trinity when I was doing my uh, my masters and my PhD. Uh, so I was doing a lot of um, I was doing a lot of short stories. Um, and one day they just we just said, oh, why don't we read out a few of the short stories? I get get a few people in. Dave was there at the beginning. Um, we had a poster. I can't remember what, what the poster said, but it was something like the subtitle was An Evening of Risky Proximity with Graham Tugwell. And uh, Dave Lock just sort of jumped on that and said, right, there we go, Risky Proximity players. So we started with me and Dave uh, to begin with uh, and a few, a few other people. Then we did a performance with Sarah Griff on the bill. and She joined us then for the next show. Then Sarah brought in D, and then that was basically the first iteration of it. Uh, Sarah went to San Francisco for uh, a couple of years. Uh, Sinead O'Brien joined us. We went more theatrical then. We had a few plays out. Um, and then we went back to the original group uh, for this. So, yeah, it's it's been sort of an ongoing thing for about five years now, I think it is. Just sort of these people coming in and out of the group and everything. So, yeah, it's been a, it's been a going concern of just odd theatricality things 
yeah. for a little while. Yeah, and and has it kind of been you've be, you were writing specifically for that, or you ye all had different stories, and you were like, let's see if we can make this into a production. Sure, um, I basically did all the writing. I, I wrote short stories from about twenty ten onwards. So it was all of my short stories, basically, we, we turned into into theatrical pieces. Um, I wrote 150, yeah, 150 short stories uh, between 2010 and 2012. So th- that that forms the basis of all the things that we produced together. Yeah. Okay. So um, you did a master's in writing in Trinity, was it? Was that when you kind of thought about being a writer? Uh, I did a master's in popular literature. So okay. my original aim was to be an academic. <laughs> well, I was rubbish at it. <laughs> I did um, I did a PhD for a few years, and it just became more and more obvious that I didn't know what I was doing in any shape or form. And um, it, it was a, a sort of a, I got quite annoyed with what I like to call you know just dead men's words. I'm just repeat. I'm just things other people have written, I'm putting the slightest veneer or gloss on top of it, of my own stuff. And it was not fulfilling. I'm not cut out to be an academic. I'm not comfortable with my level of ignorance that you sort of need in, in a PhD. You're like, I don't know everything, but I'm energized to find out stuff. I was like, I don't know anything. I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, so I just wanted to, you know, write my own things. So uh, I just started and then the scales of academic stuff and writing stuff tipped in that I was, I was doing my final year in my PhD and I don't think I did a single academic thing uh, at all in it. So I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm codding myself. I can't be an academic. So that was, that was the end of that. Yeah. How do you feel about the world of academia now? Are you kind of like, wow, fair play to everyone who actually does manage to do their PhD. I'm horrendously bitter about the whole thing completely. Um, (laughs) <laughs> no um oh yeah no i've I've utmost respect for anyone who finishes their phd because i know that god almighty i know the the uh the slog it is even ju- even simply the day-to-day of trying to come up with something new and something you know vital and vibrant to say about things that often have had so much said about them already um i just know that it wasn't where I was able to be creative. I wasn't able to be original. It wasn't a good fit for me. So, you know, um, I think I was late in discovering that. And I really should have discovered it maybe a year or two before. I was in the PhD for five years. Um, so that was, uh, yeah, not my, not, not the greatest uh, period of my life. But anyway, uh, <laughs> I, I wouldn't have done the writing. I wouldn't have gone into writing if I hadn't discovered that this other form of writing was not for me. So, right. Yeah. So, so when did you um, transition kind of to being more like, I actually want to be a, a fiction writer, a short sure. story writer? Um, I think, I'm not 100% <coughs> sure on this. I believe it was around 2010 or so, 2010, 20, 2011. Um, I won a short story contest in Trinity. And I was like, oh God, you know, I, I can sort of do this. This is a, uh, this is this is good fun. So then I started doing a short story every few weeks, which then turned into a short story every few days, and then became this sort of conveyor belt of a short story every three days. And I just kept kept writing, kept writing, kept writing, kept writing until at the end of the period, like I say, I had 150 of these nonsense things hanging around me. So yeah, yeah. 
And and so then the idea for the podcast, you, you wrote about it a little bit. Is it kind of as truthful as you wrote about it on writing.ie that Sarah Griffin was just, what did you say? Um, horror. It's a big thing. Everyone's mad for it. And you're yeah, like, yeah, yeah let's do a podcast. That's, uh, that's verbatim. Um, yeah, because like it, 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 it is um, like one of the biggest new shows out there at the moment is Stranger Things. And, you know, like I've nothing good to say. No, I'm not joking. Um, uh, it, it's, you know, uh, and also uh, things like Welcome to Night Vale, uh, Black Tapes, No Sleep. All these other podcasts are, you know, they're, they're big. Um and my writing just goes in that direction. So why not try and get it out there? So, yeah, it's uh, pretty much what happened. She just said, you know, why don't, have you thought of this? And I really haven't. And she said, give it a go. So this is us <laughs> giving it a go. Yeah. Um, you've had, like, you've had loads of stories published as well. Yeah. Like um, the ones that you have had, did they all kind of go uh, in a horror vein as well? And why yeah. do you think that is? Uh, I think it's a, a personality failure on my part um, where I tend to go pessimistic and I tend to go the only sort of artistic, the only sort of art that sustains me um, is stuff that goes wrong and horrible. I, I just, it, it, I, I can't do, I can't deal with happy endings. They just, they don't feel right. They don't feel true in a way that you know oh we tried so hard and it was still not right you know as as an artistic thing it, it just doesn't speak to me in a way so horror is is an impulse for me it's it's simply uh the correct way of viewing the world if that makes sense so yeah is is that just um in terms of your own writing or do you find it with like the art that you consume like uh, other books that you read and stuff you're like this doesn't seem very truthful at all like this is far too much of a happy ending sure um i think there's a, there, there's a there's a uh what would you say there's, I, I, there's there's a distance between me and other writing so i can say like i read a book has a happy ending i go oh good stuff this writer was able to bring across a happy ending that i can you know i can get behind i can believe in this form of media but if i try to do that myself i i just i i, I can't seem to I can't seem to do it correctly. So horror just seems to me uh, a very truthful expression of who I am and how I see the world and how I write. I, I just can't seem to get that emotional, the emotional truth of a happy ending. I can't access, but I can, I can admire it uh, in other people, in other works. I can, I, because, because I can't do it. I really admire it when it works in other work. Uh, just not for me, unfortunately. Um, I can I can try. I can really try. I can never get there. I can never get there. Unfortunately, I've now ruined the ending for every single story in the podcast going forward. That No, it's not going to work. But anyway, yeah. yeah there are no happy endings. No happy endings. I think you think you buy that when you when you when you read the first, you know, when you, and you when you're two or three episodes in, you're sort of going, yeah, I sort of know now. You know, but how do they get to the unhappy ending? That's the that's the thing. You see now, now you're hooked. So. Yeah. So, um, I I listened to the first episode and I thought it was great. And um, uh, I thought, well, let's talk about the the um start of it. The very first line. I think it's Sarah who's reading it. She says, "This is a horror podcast. It seeks to provoke, alarm, and unnerve." 
Is that yes. was that like the very first goal? We want this to be like proper scary and people to I don't know start shivering or something. Sure, um, that that was actually uh, that was D who was who uh, Deirdre ah. who was uh, reading that out. Um, we, it's that wasn't the first line. That was um, long after we'd recorded nine out of the twelve episodes, and we were like, okay, we need to think about this as a real thing, a work of art that we're going to encounter. So, um, for instance, you've mentioned that the audiences of, say, uh, Dave, Dee and Sarah are young adults and are uh, not our primary audience. So we want to be sure that the first thing you encounter is the sort of statement of purpose where it's like, this is what we're going to do. If you aren't, <laughs> if you aren't, uh, fully aware of this, back off a little. You know, we want that sort of security for parents who are, you know, their kids might might have encountered this. We just want that little bit of extra security there as well. But I also I also don't like apologizing for my work in any way, where it's like, you know, uh, settle down now, it's going to be spooky. You know, I, I don't like, I like it being what it is. So this was a nice middle ground where, yes, it's a warning for what comes that comes later, but it's very much written in the tone of the stories. It's very much written in the tone of the world. So it's not like this hard, what would you, what would you say, this, this hard um, disjoint where this authorial voice comes in and says, now settle down, everyone. It's going to be a podcast. Now it's going to be very, very scary. And if you don't like it, please, you know, I, that annoys me. This is, in the, this is in the world, I hope. I hope it comes across like that. So. That was our thinking behind it. Just a little bit more, a little practical, a little bit artistic at the same time. So, And uh, I was surprised when I was listening to it uh, how much I laughed at it as yeah. well. And mm -hmm. then I, re I was just reading over what you wrote on writing.ie, which I'm referencing quite a bit today. <laughs> it, it, it was a really well-written post. Well, um, it was actually my first article. I've never written anything like that before. So. Oh, right. Uh, yeah, thank you. You say horror and comedy are the same thing, just the yeah. time scale is different. Yes. And I'd, I wanted to know, like, if you could just expand on that a little bit. I shall try. Because um, it's a very good, it's a very good uh, soundbite. Okay. Uh, <laughs> expanding might be difficult, but now it's not. Um, yeah, basically, horror and comedy want the same thing. They want an emotional response from you. Uh, horror wants you to be shocked and surprised in a sort of a visceral way. Comedy wants you to be shocked and surprised in a visceral way as well. It's it's simply one of them is more often more bloody than the other. You know, it's often more and um, it turns on the disgust a little bit more horror generally. But really, anything you say about horror can still be applied to comedy. Uh, it's all about your reaction. It's all about how you deal with this with, with this thing. Horror essentially is the interruption into the everyday of the the unknown or the surprising or the out of context. And what is a joke? But the interruption into the everyday of stuff that might be out of context or the surprising or the disturbing. It's they they, they function the same. And really, how you respond to it is up to yourself. A lot of people will sort of laugh and go, ah, brilliant, and go, oh, actually, wait a minute. You know, there's there's a, a sliding scale between laughing and being revulsed by, uh, revulsed, yeah, uh, by, you know, what happens in the podcast. And it's sort of like a personal thing of where you find yourself on that scale. 
So functionally to me, it's sort of the same. Horror and comedy are just, they're, they're two extremes on this sliding scale. And, and do you think that like everyone would kind of have the same reaction? Like we'll all kind of laugh at the same points that you expect us to laugh in the podcast. Or do you think pe- some people oh, are get down? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> just been interrupted by a cat walking across Sorry. the screen. <laughs> Is that one of the monsters that comes up in one of your stories to come? Exactly, yeah. Banafi. Yeah, that's the name of the cat. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, do you expect like people would kind of laugh in the same thing, or um, you know, at the same points that you would expect them to, or sure. or you know, do some people just not see comedy and horror in the same? Yeah, uh, yeah. I think. Um, you know, obviously, I, I write some of these with like a punchline in mind or a joke in mind, but you're unlikely to get everyone hitting that joke at the same time. The joke might not even work. Um, so I think it's very much some people will just be completely horrified, completely terrified by the story. They'll see nothing humorous in it. And they'll actually be a little bit, I don't want to say offended by the idea that there might be horror there, but a little bit sort of like. What, you know, what are you talking about? This was horrible. You're actually laughing at the, the horror I felt in, in in this story. And I'm not doing that at all. But um, it's very much, I think, a very much a personal choice of how you deal with it. Because the, the, a particular joke or a particular shock is a moment in a wider tapestry or a wider tone that you're going for. And so people will respond to that tone and they'll find what they what they find horror, horrifying or they'll find what they find funny in in particular ways if that makes sense but at every stage you're trying to craft a joke and craft craft a horror uh, for them with this tone in mind this huge tapestry in mind so it's yeah it's it's there may be particular moments that i'm going for but if i'm doing my job right <laughs> fingers crossed that the each individual moment will just add to this larger picture and if one thing doesn't work but hopefully the tone of it will work. Um, and so you have 12 episodes recorded. You say that you have yes. 150 stories written yes. that, that could be part of this. Like, yes. are, are the stories completely finished? Or will it be a case of, well, we'll see how um, the reaction to these are. And then when mm-hmm. you're kind of looking over the next batch, will you be like, oh, I don't know if this will work or... You know, have sure. you come? Have you sure. thought about that yet? You probably haven't. Um, I, I, I'm very much a writer where I don't plan ahead. I just sort of write what I feel like at a certain point. Um, but the thing is, I'm, I'm constantly writing. So if an idea comes up that I think will work well in series two or three, yeah, I'll, I'll sit down and, I, and I'll write it and I'll see if it works. I'm very much, as I say, a, a writer who will write something and hate it for about two months and then come back and go, actually, there is something there. So I do need a large sort of gestation period of whether this stuff is any good or not. Um, So, yeah, there could be, um, you know, one of the things I'm looking at is, uh, like, I'm sick of writing novels. I want to get back to writing short stories. uh, And I want to, you know, have an an idea for season four. Wow. (laughs) By the way. Wow. Uh, of the of the podcast um and they will more than likely be um new stories with the uh format and you know what having learned what the format can do for a short story with that very much in mind and exploring that a bit more as well so you never know i could have these ideas for season four 
it could end up being at the end couple of episodes of season one. You know, it's it's the when when the work is there, you can do a lot with the work. So it's 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 hard to know until I've written them. But yeah. you're still uh you're still calling them stories. Is that how you think that you'll always see them, or do you kind of think that you might start referring it to it as a show or as a podcast or as episodes or as something else? Or will they always to you anyway? They'll always be stories. They'll always be stories. Um, I won't call them, you know, like if I'm talking about them directly and they're podcasts, they're podcasts and they're short stories when they're short stories. But the story in my head is always that narrative that takes you from A through B to C, if that makes sense. So it's always that idea in my head. So when they're in a when they're in a particular uh, format, then, yeah, I refer to that format. But the story in my head is always what actually happens in it, the actual plot of the story so even if i don't know even yeah, actually when we did uh when we turned them into uh stage shows it was still what stories are we doing for the stage you know it's always that narrative that then gets adapted into the into the format that it's going to be in so yeah and so tell me about the uh recording process of Mm -hmm. of the of the stories of the show um uh, it's the you and the three other guys, Dave, Deirdre, and Sarah. Did you do all of the twelve episodes in the one go? And was uh-huh. it and was uh, it uh, your first time actually recording your stories? Uh, well, it was. Let me see. On the first day of recording, we we basically I think I think we did it over three days, uh, three days over a period of about six weeks. Um, it was difficult get everyone in the same room and yeah. we actually did not get everyone in the same room oh, really? once for the entire thing uh so what you will hear is episodes with four people in them probably recorded over three days and then stitched together like a spooky frankenstein um it's it was a lot of fun <laughs> um doing the stories we, i think we did maybe f- four or five a day um, just over those over over those three days, maybe four a day, and um, yeah, it was an in, an interesting and uh, learning experience. Um, I'm not used to the sound of my own voice. Hearing that back, for instance, it's quite grating and nasal and un, un, unpleasant. So you know, good for a horror podcast. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, I don't think anybody likes the sound of their own voice, though. No, I hate it. it like. Sure, it's 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 a standard thing. It's just a, a simple generic statement when you record yourself. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I, I seem to I seem to have lost track of your question. <laughs> um, just what was the recording process like? It sounds it sounds like you kind of got into the swing of things, I suppose. Yeah, um, and one of the great things about it was because we perform many of these stories ourselves, like as a theatrical group or a drama group, um, we often got them done in one take which was really good. We just sat in there with the scripts, belted it wow, out. Fair play. Uh, and like, even the stories, even the stories that um, the people hadn't, like say Sarah or Dee hadn't encountered before, uh, they might have been stories that we hadn't done theatrically because they didn't work theatrical, theatrically, but they would work as a podcast. There is a certain rhythm to my writing that they just sort of got into and was able to, and were able to just perform it. It was, really lovely to see actually um so yeah it was yeah and am i right in saying i think that you guys might have said it somewhere that this is like the first um like fiction podcast from ireland 
Uh, horror fiction, certainly. Horror fiction, horror fiction certainly. Um, I don't know. I don't know if it's the first fiction podcast. I'm not sure on that, but I, I would, I would, I would stake my claim uh, on being the first horror fiction podcast. Yeah. Are you surprised that there haven't been more yet, or is it still kind of a relatively new medium for writers? Yeah, uh, yeah it's 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 a new medium. It's it's. <clears throat> I think the. Uh, the capabilities of it, the sort of, because it is, it's sort of Netflix for radio when you think about it. You know, it could, it can be consumed at any time you want, and it could be consumed and then uh, sort of a binge watch once you get the whole, get the whole thing. You're not on any schedule or anything. So I think it's, it's a growing medium. It's, it's, it's certainly big in America. It might not be as big over here in Ireland. Um, I've had to explain what a podcast really? is. You know. <laughs> quite a lot uh, in the last little while um so it's not on the radio is it not no it's not on the radio it's on the computer yes it's on the computer and then talking about how to actually download it and everything but i think uh horror is a very is a very good uh genre to do uh as a as a podcast because it's visceral and inviting in a way that certain other genres may may not be you know you're sort of curled up in bed under the covers and you're listening and it's very intimate and it's very, you know, it's it's the perfect time of the year for it as well. The days are getting shorter, you know, um, and the shadows are longer and things like that. So, you know, it's, I think, I think it's the right time to do it. And yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Is there kind of a taboo about giving your kind of stories away on a podcast because like podcasts are generally free um and is is that the reason why you set up a, a patreon patreon um the patreon is there because it's expensive <coughs> to make these things you know it's expensive to actually uh make the studio time get everyone there working on it um but i just want the work out there you know i want people to experience uh the stories to hear them um you know they're Stories are no good if they're trapped on a computer in the town somewhere, you know, like you, you all stories want to be listened to, all stories want to be read. And this just seemed like a perfectly good way of getting them out there. So, yeah, that's that, that's, you know, if if we don't reach our goal on Patreon and, you know, we can't make any more of these, that's OK. You know, it's we we, we, we got our we got our stuff out there. And, you know, what more what more can a writer want than their work to be enjoyed? So, so that's the way I see it. Um, uh, I wasn't this isn't going to be a segue, but uh, I was going to just ask you about the novel writing. Uh, oh. you, you said that um, uh, you're sick of writing novels and, and you've, you've got a novel fold, which you say is looking for a home as well. I have four novels, four novels that are looking wow. for homes. <laughs> All one home is fine by me, or four separate ones. I don't mind. Um, yeah, so um, you just want them to be read, like you want them I out just in the want world. Them to be read, yeah. you know. Um, I think they got things to say. Um, I have uh, so I wrote Fold in the year after I finished the short stories. Um, it's uh, like uh, my agent has been traipsing around the country uh, trying to get them uh, to get it sold, and you know I'm I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. Um, it's it's all my all everything I've written is set in the same world, and they're all everything's connected. So it's basically um, after the short stories, it's what happens next. 
and that's what that's what the novel is. I won't go too much into it uh, because it's it's quite a large digression into the larger mythology of this of the short stories, and I don't want to spoil them. <laughs> um, and then I wrote uh, a science fiction uh, novel in Panjaram. Then I wrote one based on the 1916 Rising. Uh, and then I wrote one about a uh, pug in a spacesuit who kidnaps a boy. Um, so it's, it's quite good fun. <laughs> um, so, yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't stop writing. That's, that's the thing. I don't stop writing and I don't necessarily um, write with an aim in mind. I just say, will this entertain me? Yes. Let's spend a year on this. Yeah. So. That's essentially how I, how I do it, yeah. Have, have you suffered writer's block at all? It certainly sounds like you haven't. No, writer's block is sort of a excuse that I don't believe in. <laughs> uh, I don't believe in it. Because even if you have writer's block, surely you can write a story about having writer's block. You know, it's... Nothing is stopping you. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I, I don't believe in it. You may not feel like writing... But the what separates people who write from people who don't is writing. So write for God's sake, you yeah. know. Writers, writers. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> You're gonna have a load of writers on your back after this. Now they're gonna be like, sure. it is a real thing. Sure. Oh yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm, I'm sure it is. Go and write. For God's sake. Yeah. Yeah. Um. The the three other guys that um are kind of on on the podcast team yeah. also seem like they're they're pretty prolific. Is it kind of good to have these close writer friends? Like, do you bounce ideas off them? And... Certainly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, for instance, me and Dave have wandered up and down the keys in Dublin of oh, thousands of times at this stage, just working out a plot, working out you know character motivations, large themes and stories and everything. Yes, it's. It's people who know what you are going through, both personally and artistically. And it's a wealth of support. And that would be my first and mostly only advice to writers is surround yourself with people who know what they're doing, you know, in, in terms of writing. Because, you know, you may write yourself into a, uh, you know, a... I'm a writer and I can't think of the phrase. This is really into a corner. Thank you, corner. There we go. There we go. Uh, you might write yourself into a corner, and because of the way you see writing, how you experience it, you may see no exit from that corner. But another writer who has different goals in writing, a different outlook on writing, might say, "Yes, but what if those corners are steps and you just get over it?" You know, it's it, it's it's fine. Like, for instance, I can't do happy endings. But if I need a happy ending, I can go to Dave. Dave's a master of happy endings. And, you know, and Dave will help me out there. And I can get the emotional the emotional thoroughfare there. And I'm through and excellent. And, yes, it'll go horrible in the next paragraph. But I can get through I can get through where I'm, where I'm stuck. And it's always because other writers see things differently. And that's, that's, that's really important. That's really interesting because, like, Danielle McLaughlin, while she was promoting um, her short story collection last year, um, Dinosaurs on Other Planets, like, a big deal was kind of made about the fact that she's part of a writer uh, writing group. And, you know, sure. they kind of, every two weeks they meet and everything. But we always associate writers with, uh, you know, they're these solitary people. Ivory Tower sort of tossing out a leaf yeah. of, of, of written stuff down to the masses. Um, Do you think that idea is kind of like, Kind it's of in a the very past. seductive idea, and yeah. it really is an idea where it's like, particularly if you're if you're struggling to get the work out there, it can be a very much 
a comfort thinking, oh, I'm all alone in my attic with my cats. You know, <laughs> it's, it's so difficult out there, but I know what I'm doing is artistic in and of itself because I'm suffering because of it. And it can be a very sort of like, and also there's the idea of the sanctity of your own ideas where it's like, yes, I'm doing this on my own. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, no one is influencing me. I'm actually doing this from first principles. I'm getting this stuff out there. And I can see, I can definitely see an attraction to this. You know, uh, it can be a very beguiling image that you are alone uh, against the world, but you're, you have a voice and you're saying things. You know, it's, I, I have felt the allure of that on a number of occasions, but I've always stepped back because writing and being a writer is what you do. It shouldn't be what you are to the exclusion of everything else. Uh, it's important that you build a life as well outside of the writing. Otherwise, well, you know, it helps to have to writing, you know, you, you then have more to write about, but also for your own mental health and your own, own well-being, the solitary, uh, the solitary view of writing can be unhelpful and very unhealthy, I think. Uh, and it's very important. It helps the quality of the writing, but also helps the quality of your life as well uh, to, to get the work out there, to meet people, to discuss it. And be challenged as well is important. So, yeah. So, uh, I don't know if I answered your question. I certainly feel like I've given an answer. I yeah. don't know to what. <laughs> anyway. So your advice to new writers would be like, don't end all your friendships and close the door and just start writing. That's a bad idea. That's a bad idea. It's very good to write. Writing is excellent. <coughs> but writing all alone and writing just for yourself is not great. You know, you may, if you're writing for yourself, you yeah, you may write stuff that's fantastically brilliant but you now lack the human contact to get the work out there. So it's practical as well. So. Um, and so what are you working on at the moment? Is it kind of just about promoting the podcast? At the moment, I'm working on getting more sleep um, <laughs> because it's mostly about the podcast at the moment. It is. It is indeed. Um, it's all new to me. I've never done a project of this size. Uh, you know, I've often been like, when we're doing the Risky Proximity Players, for instance, um, I would be like, gosh, what if we had blue hats in this play? Then Sinead would go, okay, I have now have to get blue hats. Grand. Okay, I'll go get blue hats. Sort of thing. You know, I was very much the art director of, of these things. And I feel working alongside uh, Rebecca Gimlet, uh, who is the producer on the podcast, um, I have to grapple with the day-to-day -day stuff of getting the podcast out there. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm no longer like, gosh, what if we do everything in a French accent for no reason and then have to set up <laughs> the studio time and record everything, you know? So, yeah, it's, 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 I'm looking at writing again in January. Oh, okay. <laughs> January writing is fine. I tend to take a month off anyway. So this month off is going to just stretch a little bit into the new year, which is, which is fine. You know, like I say, I'm sick of writing novels. So a few months off is absolutely fine by me. I don't mind. <laughs> um, j just, I don't think that I actually asked you earlier, like you, wh when you had the idea, were you thinking first of, oh, we'll just record it by ourselves. It'll be grand. Mm -hmm. We'll just use a, a dictaphone or something. Are we sure. adamant that like, oh, it's got to sound really great and it, we have to do it in a studio. I'm, I'm, <clears throat> I don't, like <laughs> I don't like amateur stuff I don't like 
someone saying, oh, sure, I know what to do. I can do it myself. I like finding good people who know what they're doing in every aspect of what you're doing. And that's exceedingly important is to surround yourself. Even if you, you let, look, you've no agent, you're not being published or anything like that. Still surround yourself with people who can do the good work. You want to be discovered doing the best work possible in that say, in, in, in that case. So, I, you know, um, the guys at Display Studios, uh, Chris, Tom, Darren, Daniel, I'm forgetting someone's name and they're going to kill me. Anyway, they're, 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 they're fantastic. They're, they're fantastic. Um, Kieran, who, who did the website for me, you know, these people who know what they're doing and will give you the best. And it lifts everything. Quality lifts everything. And I really, I really believe in that. Because people who are in that position where they can help you out, they want their best work to be out there as well. So it's a great collaboration and it's really it's really important to get the work out there. Plus, everyone likes quality work. You know, people like stuff that sounds good. Um, we want people to help us in this. We want people to support, you know, the, the Patreon and things. And it's easier to do that when it's good work, you know. Um, if it sounds like it's being recorded in, in a ditch, you know, um, <laughs> It'll sound atmospheric. It'll sound atmospheric, you know, and it'll sound like really rural and, you know, very, oh, very, very good. But it's not what we're doing. And I really, I really believe in, in quality. I actually believe in quality and quantity at the same time. It's, it's you know, do a lot, do a lot well. That's, that's, that's how I see it. Yeah. You've set a high bar there. Setting a high uh, it's, bar. It's important too, I think. And the only person who can set the high bar is yourself, you know. And that that sort of that's sort of how, how how I see it. You're not in competition with anyone. You're in competition with yourself, essentially. You know. Well, that's, you, a, that's a very zen thing to say. Sorry. <laughs> in yeah. competition with yourself. Seven, well, six, well, no, you have set a high bar. The first episode is great, and there's going to be new episodes of the show every fortnight. Every yeah, every two weeks. That's right. So the next one is the fourteenth of October, I believe. Yeah, the fourteenth. Uh, and every episode is quite different. So uh, if you, you know, if you liked number one, there's a good chance you'll really like number two. Then you're probably going to be a bit iffy about number three. But like that's how, that's how we're that's how we're doing it. But you know, I, I want to get as many flavors of short stories out there as possible. So they're they're all they all have a, have, have a horrific hook if that makes sense. But they're quite different. We're not doing the same thing for twelve weeks. Yeah. Every time that I think about that episode, like I just think about the fingers in the drawer and the, the it's the sound effect that gets me. Sure, oh. sure. And that's what see, the thing is, people find that uh, horrific. I find that hilarious. <laughs> I, I, I really, really, I know when I've written something horrific is if it makes me laugh out loud. And once again, horror and comedy, same thing. I just have a horrific sense of humor. But like that, 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 that to me really made me laugh. Yeah. Great. Well, uh, yeah, I really liked it. And yeah, be best of luck with everything with it. And thanks for doing this. Really appreciate it. Oh, thank thanks for having me. Really yeah. enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, good luck with the rest of the, of the show, I suppose. Rest of the podcast. Thank you.